my whole thing is like, I want us all to build wealth juntos. I would say it's not fun if I'm the only wealthy one. Mm. I want everyone around me to have dinero too. So that, you know, when we get to the point where, you know, we've, uh, we can travel together and we could party together. I'm a big party person. Hello, hello, it's Leanne. Welcome back to another Moneda Moves. Today we meet Rita Soledad Fernandez Paulino, an educator at her core. This is the story of a former math teacher turned a personal finance guide. At some point in her life, speaking about money was difficult, but today Soledad is an aspiring certified financial planner and taking her followers on her debt-free and learning journey via her platform, Wealth Para Todos. So Soledad, welcome. We're so excited to talk dinero with you. Thank you so much. And I love how you said my name. Nobody ever gets that right. <laughs> I must admit, I was just like, I want to make sure I get the name completely correct because I would also feel a little bit, you know, uh, I, I would feel nice if someone said my name correctly. So um, perfection. Gracias. <laughs> de nada, de nada, claro. So can you start by telling us a little bit more about what Wealth Para Todos does? Yes. So I started Wealth Para Todos at as a way to really stay accountable, um, after I became debt-free, I knew I was interested in building wealth and building wealth is a long-term, like a long-term game, right? Like it's not something that happens overnight. And I knew that it was going to like the same way I got out of debt was going to be the same way I was going to build wealth, living below my means and investing as much as possible in avenues that would help me produce more wealth. <laughs> so I started Wealth Para Todos because I wanted accountability. And over time, it just became a resource for myself to document everything that I learned, my journey. And then as more people started to follow along, I really was like, you know what? This is not just about us building wealth. It's about convincing everyone else to build wealth conmigo. So it has now become a way for me to show inf share information on how like, I track my spending, how I budget and live below my means in so that I could have build an emergency fund so that we could live debt free so that we could um, invest for retirement and build generational wealth and so everyone who joins me there it's because they have those same goals that's awesome that's fantastic how has this page then affected the relationship with those closest to you who were uneasy to talk about money before I'm now the go-to person to talk dinero with. So anytime has, anyone has any questions about, you know, IRA accounts or budgeting or paying off debt, they'll come to me. And I love it because my whole thing is like, I want us all to build wealth juntos. I would say it's not fun if I'm the only wealthy one. Mm. I want everyone around me to have dinero too. So that, you know, when we get to the point where, you know, we've, uh, we can travel together and we could party together. I'm a big party person. And, um, and so it's nice. It's nice to see that my loved ones are also thinking a lot more about their finances. And a lot of them have started to make plans to decrease their debt and started investing too. Yeah. So talk to me about, obviously you're, sol you're finding a solve for a issue at this point. It's more than just keeping yourself accountable. And if everyone is leaning in now and, you know, it's this very positive outlook, let's build wealth together juntos. What are the barriers that 
people in your demographic, Latinos or first gen people, first movers in your demographic have to overcome to build wealth? I would say first, like mindset principles, right? So there's a common saying, el dinero se hizo para gastar. And that was something that I grew up with where my mom didn't think about having money in an emergency fund. She thought like it was kind of foolish to keep money in an emergency fund. If you had money, use it because you're not always going to have money. That was right. like, like, like it's a very, scarcity like, mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, scarcity and, mindset. And she, so that was, that was her approach. And that's definitely what she always taught me. And learning like, oh, well, before I start investing, the best practice is to have at least six months of emergency fund and getting to the point of realizing like, oh, well, you know, my family spends $5,000 a month. So that means six months would be $30,000, $30,000. Like that's what people spend on parties, on weddings, you know? So to get to the point to put that in an emergency fund, not touch it was a huge mind, um, a mindset shift around um, the, how, my relationship with money. And I think that's also true for like a lot of people. They're going to deal with, you know, um, our family making comments about how we're using our money, how we're not using our money. And so I know that even like my family thought like, do you have financial problems? Why are you like saying like, oh, you're on a budget? No, I can't go eat out this, this uh, weekend. And I was like, it's because I don't want to have financial problems. I really want to learn to live within my means. And so if I say I'm going to spend this much on eating out, that's what I'm going to do. I, so there's that, there's like all these family influences, there's ideas of how we should spend our money. And then just like logistics too, like understanding, like doing the math of this is my income, this is my expenses and understanding whether you have discretionary cash flow at the end. And discretionary cash flow is like any money that is not necessary to cover your bills. They can cover flexible expenses. And sometimes when um, I meet with clients, it's hard. The most, the most difficult challenge is when their expenses are higher than their income, because now they have to reduce their expenses or also find ways to increase their income. And both of those are challenging. And th- both of those require a lifestyle change. And then like lack of personal finance literacy, obviously that, and that I think impacts everyone, um, at some level, but you know, it, it, I was 33 years old when I started to learn about investing. Um, and I had access to like Susie Orman when I was younger and thank God I had read a few things about, her, uh, like watched her show and, and that had influenced me. And so I did start investing like with my first full-time employer, However, I didn't open up a Roth IRA. I wouldn't have known um, like how to do that, how to choose my investments had it not been for the personal finance community that I found on Instagram. Yeah. And it's absolutely huge that you're able to share that now. And also, you know, again, build together. One of the foundations of your bio that I found very interesting and very distinct from other personal finance educators online that I saw is how critical you are of capitalism. I think it's good to contextualize. And so can you talk us through how you think about Latinos and first movers building wealth in a capitalist system? Yeah, it's hard for me because I am definitely somebody who's very critical of capitalism. I think about all the different ways that um, Black, Indigenous people of color have suffered um, within capitalism and how, you know, this, this huge emphasis on productivity and this um, 
our worth being so much tied to like our, our financial status and, and us struggling in terms of mentally. And then just also like everything that has happened um, for money in this country, slavery, um, things that like uh, slavery is like obviously one of the biggest ones, but everything that has done, uh, has happened to Native Americans in terms of stealing their land, um, things with Mexico, things with other countries, that it's all about, you know, maximizing profit and focusing on a select few. And that is, that scares me and that makes me upset. And I even was like very weary of investing too and, and putting my money into like big companies versus helping you know people directly around me and then I've had to understand like in some ways we're all compromised under capitalism and that's something that I learned from from Cara from Waverly Go she always says that we're all compromised under capitalism and so in some ways we have to learn ways to maneuver it and find ways to to thrive and investing in the stock market is one of like the easiest ways to build wealth. Um, so learning how to do that. So then we can have more money so that we have the opportunity to build generational wealth in the first place. Cause that, that, that is huge. It impacts so many people. And I think it's like really impacts the black community who has been here for so long, but has not been able to have access to generational wealth because of the impacts of slavery and everything in the real estate market and everything that was used to really suppress and deny access to wealth building. Yeah, no, I, I, I really appreciate that you do add that context and history has a great deal to do with it, right? It, it, capitalism is a tool, but what it incentivized and what historically it incentivized and made possible is something very problematic to grapple with, especially as someone who's first in your family, right? And you realize that you didn't have equal access, but beyond that, you take an assessment, you take stock of everything that's happened under capitalism. And there's some really good questions to ask. Now you name dropped, uh, Gara from Bravely Go, and I just wanted to give some context for people listening. Uh, Bravely Go is another educational resource. There's a lot of women, a lot of power women in this field, which I really love. Um, but Bravely Go is a website all about taking control of your own finances by budgeting, paying off debt, and learning more about investing. So go check her out in case you haven't. Now, uh, Soledad, we're going to dive and get a little bit more personal. I uh, just kind of uh, more practical tips for people that may be listening. The pandemic has in particular, we know affected the black and Latino community. What has been one of your biggest money learnings in your lifetime that you feel is a spe specifically applicable during this time? Hmm. It, I, all right. First I'm huge on budgeting and tracking your spending and learning about your spending triggers, your spending habits and ways to live below your means. However, like I'm a huge, huge, but what the pandemic has really made me realize is how often our spending and what we value in terms of how, how we show what we value by spending our money is related to key parts of our identity. And really we can't, we can't shift our financial habits if we want to keep a certain aspect of our identity that isn't aligned with our financial goals. And so doing that work and being very mindful of making sure your financial goals are aligned with the things that you value 
is important. And let me be a little more specific. So if you're someone who really values um, giving and the pandemic is showing so many ways that you can help others, right? So charity, right? Like that's, there's so many ways. And every time you could get an opportunity to donate to an, uh, an organization or to help somebody in need, you're like, yes, you want to do it. That's part of your identity. That's something that makes you feel good. You, you're like, yes, yes, yes. But your budget, your money, your discretionary cash flow is telling you, well, really, you could only donate like $100 a month. It comes to a point where you have to realize, like, I'm, am I going to stick to this budget and my financial goals, even though it may, may, may make me feel temporarily bad because I'm saying no to giving to someone else? Or are you going to continue um, to stick to what feels good for your identity, even when it's not aligned to your financial goals. And it's hard. That's really hard for a lot of people because they want to be able to say yes to anything that's really important to them. And it varies. And the pandemic, I think, has made it extra hard because when we are, we're doing, when we're under stress, when we are scared, when we have these high emotions, it's going to make it a lot more challenging to be mindful and not react out of habit. And our habits are so, you know, tied to our identity. Yeah, no, I think it's really important when we talk about personal finances to not divorce our cultural identity from it, because it, it forms the way that we see the world and money falls within that, within that lens. So I fully agree with you there. Now, in terms of someone being a first mover within their family and building wealth, what is one of the first things that you had to learn in terms of just bringing your family with you? And maybe this is part of the journey that you have gone through as you built your page. Yeah. Um, first, I think you, you lead by example, right? So you really learn to live below your means, to create a spending plan for your money, um, understanding like I'm going to decrease my expenses. I'm going to look at what is really important to me. I always tell people like I'm a, a party person. So even throughout my debt-free journey, even while I was like learning, trying to maximize um, investing and maxing out my retirement accounts, I still made sure to throw my parties, my family parties. And again, it's all tied to like what you value. Um, so I think it's important to one, lead by example, and two, talk the nettle with your family, share with them. Like they may not be willing to talk to you about like their debt or their retirement investing plans, but you can share that with your family. And you can say like, one thing I think is really helpful is saying like, Hey, I looked up what I'm expected to get from social security. And I realized it's not enough. I really have to do a lot more for, um, investing in my retirement um, accounts through my employer. I'm even thinking about opening up a, a Roth IRA to really have additional income. Mm. And now I'm not even thinking that I wanna retire early. So I'm also gonna open up a taxable brokerage account and just talking about you know what your struggles are, not just like your successes because your successes can make people feel very sensitive, but saying like, oh, this is what I'm learning. I'm curious to learn more about this because I'm realizing that I'm not going to have the retirement that I want or, you know, leave the wealth that I want for my kids. And I think that allows a lot more um, grace and compassion around conversations around dinero. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a soft skill, I think, to take away from that, right? And it's that, that sensibility and the vulnerability where I think to a certain degree, you can't expect others to open up if you yourself 
don't open up about your insecurities and it doesn't have to be expressed as an insecurity, but more like, as you said, a learning moment, a teaching moment. I'm actually going through this with my family as well, where I realized I can't, I can't be just the teacher because my identity is way more than that. I'm learning. And so to share those learnings is, is a gift and also an opportunity to have a discussion. So now taking us after budgeting considerations from the pandemic, when we think about building wealth long-term, what is your investing philosophy? Uh, invest consistently and, uh, and have a plan, right? So, and your plan is going to look different than other people's personal finance is personal. How you choose to build wealth long-term is going to be reflective of like what you find interesting, what you find accessible. Um, in my family, real estate was something that everyone was talking about. Like buy real estate, we're in Los Angeles in California. Like it's known like the property values go up here. Um, become a landlord. That's like one way to build wealth. I know that I care. I feel very comfortable investing in the stock market. So for me, it's like, I want to max out tax advantage accounts first um, to reduce my tax liability. So that's like the 401ks, um, IRA accounts, 403bs, max out, maxing out those accounts, HSAs as well. And then using any additional money to buy real estate and look for ways to um, form like semi-passive forms of income or fully passive uh, for um, streams of income. Because at the end of the day, like you're only, like you, you decrease your expenses for as much as you can, but then the more you can increase your income, then the more ability you have to invest in different options to build more wealth. And it's definitely a long-term thing. My personal goals is um, continue to max out our retirement accounts, but then also um, buy real estate and get some income from, from that. I love that. Building your foundation and then going uh, above and beyond as well and, and making sure you have those additional assets. Soledad, thank you so much for your time. I have learned so much from you, from your experience, your journey, and obviously the presence of this community of Latinas who are eager to educate our community and eager to have these conversations, not just one chair facing an audience, but rather a circle of everyone just yes. sharing their experiences and learning together. So I really appreciate the work that you're doing. Thank you so much for having me here and giving sharing your platform so I can talk dinero. <laughs>